Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. It's an important story, otherwise it wouldn't appear in as many different ways as it does. At least it's an important story if you happen to be a Jew in the first century. Whatever it was, this experience, it must have been difficult to put into words because we get, like a lot of mystical experiences, we get a kind of an allusion to it. There's dazzling white and there's um, uh, all kinds of... Jesus' face looks like the sun and you can't look at the sun so they can't really see what's going on. And he was transfigured. He looked totally different. Not only that, but something really important happens as well. Two important people turn up, Moses and Elijah. For Jesus and other teachers of the time, the shorthand way of talking about all of Jewish history and all of Jewish culture and all of Jewish religion was to talk about the law and the prophets. And Moses and Elijah were the representatives of that. Moses, as you know the story, um, came down from the mountain where he'd somehow been in contact with God and turned up with two stone tablets with the law outlined on it. And Elijah was the prophet of the prophets, the one that everyone expected would somehow reappear at the end of time because there's a story about Elijah that he didn't actually die, but he went up to heaven in a fiery chariot. Like a great movie, wouldn't it? They said amazingly mystical stories that these people have lived with all of their lives. In other words, Moses and Elijah turning up in this vision is the whole of the Jewish story wrapped up in one mystical moment. One extraordinary experience that these men have had. It's about the true nature of the world, it all being wrapped up. 
Moses representing the past faithfulness of God right through the exodus and, and the escape from Egypt. And Jesus representing the present moment when God is working in the world. And Elijah, the hope that the prophets always spoke about, the day that will come when the earth will be as it ought to be and all people will live in freedom and in justice in the way that the psalm we read together alluded to. It's fantastic if you're a first century Jewish person. What about us? I wonder if, it, if we can make any sense of it. What do we do on the backside of the scientific revolution when we think we know a lot more about the way the world is supposed to be? How do we deal with a mystical story that seems to be um, other than the real realness of the world as we understand it? Well, we could say, well, we don't really know exactly what happened. If you've ever had a deeply mystical, a deeply important experience in your life, it's very hard to explain it to someone else. If you've ever fallen in love, try explaining that to anyone. It would change your entire life, but you can't explain it. And in fact, when you try by sending somebody a card or flowers or writing them a song or a poem, if you've ever done that and it's hidden away somewhere, you hope never to show anyone. If you've ever done that... You know it's so inadequate for the experience you've had. So we're not far away from that. But what are we going to do with it? Well, one way of understanding what this is, that, that it happened to these men while they saw Jesus, was they were having what we call an epiphany. It's this moment of, um, it's, a, it's a moment of when things are manifest, when things become clear. It's a, an experience of sudden and and striking realisation. It's what we sometimes would call an, an aha moment. Ah, it's making sense. It's when we see the ordinary as somewhat other than ordinary, not forever sometimes, just for a moment. Two of the famous epiphanies um, in our culture is Newton and the apple supposedly falling on his head. There's a few different stories about whether it really happened, but let's go with the one where he's just sitting under a tree thinking and it fell on his head. And suddenly he understood something about gravity that had eluded us up until then. The, what the nature of gravity was with this idea of the apple falling on his head. And much earlier than that, Archimedes lowering himself into his bath and the bath water... Um, Expanding and, and going out over the side of the bath. And he had this, what he said was eureka, a eureka moment when he suddenly understood the, 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 what displacement was. And it helped him understand the method of, of, in, of deciding the density of a body. Moments of sudden realisation. An epiphany seems to put together the things we already know in such new ways that we begin to see the world differently for a moment. It gives us a glimpse of the way things really are, a deeper interconnectedness, a deeper sense of reality. They can sometimes seem to come out of nowhere. And it's a moment when we have it that we can feel in, um, immensely grateful for that experience. It's a moment when, just for a moment... It all seems to make sense. Whatever all is, whether it's the universe or my life or just the last week of the things that I've had to manage, the things that I've had to deal with, the things I've thought about. 
Now these things seem to happen rarely, apparently. But we don't know of another moment in Newton's life, and we know a lot about his life, when he had this intense moment, this intense epiphany. But what if they do happen all the time and we just miss them? What if they do occur in every moment and we just miss them? What if Carlos Williams' poem about, look, presumably, he, he did say in, a, in an interview uh, later in the, in the late 60s where he said, because he was always asked about this poem, which he used to get frustrated about because he wrote a lot of other poems. He was a very famous poet, uh, uh, five, I think, six books of poems, um, but everyone wanted to ask him about it. It's like if you're a pop star, you're hit. Everybody wants you to play the hit. And, but but I, I wrote other songs as well, you know. Like, give me a break. But, but they were always asking, he said, well, I think, from what I can remember, I was just sitting at the window and staring out. And this moment that he saw happened. So what if those kinds of moments are there for us all the time? I think there's a few things we can learn from this story, the Transfiguration, even though it was so long ago and so confused for us and so much about being a Jew in the first century that it's hard to make a translation. What if there's some things we could learn from it? Well, we can learn because uh, from, from both Archimedes and Newton was that they weren't just doing nothing. Their minds were thinking through these things. It's not that, that Newton has, had never thought about gravity before until an apple whacked him on the head. He'd been thinking about it. He was a noted scientist of the, uh, even before that. And Archimedes is the same from what we, the little we know of his life. We'd been thinking things through. So in a sense they were living in expectation. So if, for example, you walked out of here this morning expecting to see and hear and experience an epiphany, a moment when things collectively come together and they start to make sense, would that not be putting you in the mind space where that might happen more often? And in the epiphany, Jesus took the, the men with him up to a high mountain. Now that's code everywhere in these ancient texts and in most ancient texts for getting closer to God. There was a three-tiered universe, uh, God was up there, something evil was down there and we were in the middle hoping for the best. And the further you went up the mountain, the closer you got to the gods. That's the way it worked. So when you go up a high mountain in any story in the Bible, it's code for making yourself ready, being prepared. There's a wonderful line from a poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning that says, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush a fire with God. But only those see who take off their shoes. This is an allusion to Moses and the burning bush. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only those who see take off their shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. Ah, how many times have you been plucking blackberries when the bush is on fire? Maybe a hundred times, even today. Because we're dumb as oxes. We don't see when we could. What if we'd missed heaps already this morning and it's only 10.30. The other thing that the Transfiguration story can tell us is that 
Something about epiphanies, these moments of of understanding, these aha moments, they connect the past and the future in a way that we hadn't anticipated. Sometimes we can feel completely adrift. That what's happened to us in the past past, is is either a a weight that drags us along or is is some sort of another person. I, I can't even think about myself as being that person when I was 25 or 15 or 50. It just, it's all back there, it's all a mystery. And of course I've no idea what will happen this afternoon. I've got things planned, like you probably have, I have really no idea what will actually happen. But there's something about an epiphany that in this story, of course, Moses and Elijah are like massive neon signs for the for a first century Jew. If you didn't recognise what these signs were, you were you were just hopeless. Like they're about as big and as loud as you can get. Well, we don't often get that. But in an epiphany, you can get that moment where you start to be experiencing something and, and you understand yourself somehow in a succession. It's one of the great things about coming to worship is that we read these old texts, particularly the Psalms. They're 3,000 years old. People have been reading them all over the, across the world for all this length of time. And here we are now. It seems so anachronous to, to be reading something so ancient, which is in one sense so disconnected from us, but is so real to us as well because the experiences of the psalm writers of loss and of pain and of joy and of hope are all the things that we have. And there's a deep connection that can be made. That it doesn't, maybe it, it's not true all the time that you are lost in the universe. Maybe in that moment we see ourselves connected. And then God said, let's make human beings to be like us. What if there's that deep connection? And every now and then we experience it. It somehow fills us. It dissipates really quickly. At least it does for me. But it's real in the moment. And the other thing that I reckon we can learn from the transfiguration story is that epiphanies are things to be contemplated, not made into into institutional activities immediately, as Peter seems to want to do. Jesus, this is fantastic. Why don't I build a building? Well, we've been doing it ever since, and we've got these things, for good and for ill. We've got them everywhere. We're turning some of them into carpet warehouses and wedding venues, and we're trying to hang on to others like we are here. But we know this isn't the heart of it. When we say this is a church, we're, we're not telling the truth. This is a building in which a church meets. And we have to remind ourselves of that over and over again. If this blows over tomorrow, it won't make the slightest bit of difference about church. If there's never a building ever left on the planet that's called a church, it won't make any difference. We know that. But we need to remind ourselves. But epiphanies are to be contemplated. So even while Peter is speaking, a voice interrupts him. It's as if, oh, please, for goodness sake, shut up. You know, this is not something for you to pontificate about or for you to understand or for you to plan. Just be quiet. Experience it. Know it in a deeper way. In fact, Jesus says to them, you've had this vision. Don't tell anyone about it. Until later, 
Why later? Well, because maybe you'll have learnt something from it. And then when you tell the story, you'll tell it not as, well, this happened and this happened, but I had this experience. And I'm not going to be able to put this into very good words. But, and then you start and you tell a story. What if everywhere we could contemplate the goodness of God active in the world? What if everywhere there were bushes burning? What if everywhere there was just enough of a a new view of the ordinary for us to take a deep breath, for us to see for a moment? Not only that the world is charged with God, but that we are full of the life of God all the time, everywhere. What if?